0: Hi everybody, Cheryl Atkison here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Atkinson podcast. Buckle your seatbelt. We are in for another disturbing round of media mistakes in the era of Trump. In today's podcast, we're going to analyze one of the worst episodes of fake news against Trump on a very long list. I think it's starting to become pretty clear that instead of the media correcting some of the terrible mistakes that it made, the unfairness and bias that it displayed in covering Donald Trump starting in 2015, instead of corrections, they're going to compound upon and repeat these mistakes. I think we got a good sense of this the other night when some major news outlets refused to carry Donald Trump's victory speech after his historic victory in the Iowa caucuses. This is the media once again trying to filter what you get to hear, what you get to know about. They get to be at his speech and listen to the whole thing, but they don't want you to hear it. Instead, they want to be able to interpret it, tell you what to think about it, not let you sort of do your own thinking and think for yourself and draw your own conclusions. As you probably know by now, I think this is a very dishonest and disturbing trend that's happened in news media in recent years. And I'm disappointed that It looks like we're in for more of the same now that 2024 is here. The fact is the media used to be, at least to a pretty good degree, the watchdog that regardless of how they or we personally felt about a subject or a person, we would cover it fairly and in an unbiased way. We would follow the facts. We would report a story in a neutral sense. We would hear from different viewpoints, even viewpoints we may not personally agree with. Who cares what we personally think about something? That's not the point of a news story. But we've seen that the propaganda and the bias runs so deep in the news media now that even when there's a really good story to be found or interesting and important information to be disseminated, they're not going to do it if it's something they don't want you to hear or if it's something they want to interpret so that you don't use your own brain lest you come up with what they think is the wrong conclusion. So it got me thinking about the coverage that I've given to this topic, starting when Donald Trump announced his run for presidency. Some of you know, I began tracking the outrageous and unprecedented number of media mistakes made by formerly well-respected news organizations like the New York Times, the Washington Post and the networks, because these mistakes were so egregious that it sure looked like it was part of an agenda rather than any sort of normal sloppiness, which would be bad enough for these top media outlets to be making so many mistakes out of sloppiness, but it looked like more than that, particularly because the mistakes tended to always cut in one direction against Donald Trump. And again, there was a time when the media might have been counted on to report fairly on somebody, even if they didn't like him, but this turned out to usually not be the case with Donald Trump. The media never wanted to be doing anything that could be interpreted as them defending him Or saying that he was right about something even when he was, or even when he had been unfairly attacked or wronged. You can still see the list I kept and put together of the major media mistakes on Trump by going to CherylAckeson.com. Click or hover over the Special Investigations tab and you will see media mistakes on Trump. It's quite a list. Then when President Biden got elected, the question was, would this trend continue? Would the media make the same kinds of mistakes and errors against Biden as they'd made against Trump? Maybe Trump was not uniquely targeted by the media. Maybe the media had become conflicted and sloppy, and whoever was president from now on would suffer similarly. Well, three years into the Biden administration, we have an answer to that question, too, I think. And I'm working on a story about that for an upcoming episode of my TV program, Full Measure. And at the same time, I'm continuing to see more biased and unfair reporting and inaccurate reporting. I'm thinking now about the reports of the three illegal border crossers, the sad, tragic story of three who drowned recently, among many, by the way, who have been drowning in the Rio Grande River trying to make the trip to the United States. And the story being that, the story that was put out at least by the Biden administration, that... The Border Patrol was kept by Texas state officials, was kept from rescuing them, and so they died. And it turns out, according to new reports based on evidence put and confirmed in a Department of Justice filing with the court, as the Department of Justice tries to stop Texas from keeping Border Patrol from going down to the river where Border Patrol has been ordered to let people in by the thousands upon thousands, Texas is trying to stop that. But it's been confirmed that the three poor people who drowned had already drowned before Border Patrol tried to get by the river past the Texas National Guard, which is keeping Border Patrol away from the river. So they didn't die because Border Patrol hadn't been granted access. It was not as the story had been put out. And you should always today, unfortunately, suspect that when these narratives are put out, that you might not be getting the whole story or the accurate story. And so far, I'm not seeing a lot of correcting on this point, and I'm sure a lot of people will forever be left with the impression that this happened, just like when the Biden administration put out the false information about Border Patrol agents supposedly whipping illegal immigrants from the Border Patrol agent spots on horses when nothing like that had happened. And I thought as we move into the heart of the 2024 presidential campaign, where unfortunately we can expect a lot more of the same, it might be really instructive and interesting to review, I think, one of the worst examples of what I call media mistakes from the past that was committed against Trump, because this is an example that on so many levels shows how vested some in the media have become in putting out narratives and trying to destroy a particular candidate or person at any cost. And if some of you have read my book, Slanted, you will perhaps, as I go through it, recall some about this media mistake, this egregious media mistake, but I'll bet you haven't remembered or didn't know about all the facets of it, at least have my analysis of it. We'll get to that right after a short break. In this age of a highly controlled media landscape, it's never been more important to fight the heavy hand of censorship and support truly independent journalism. Go to CherylAxon.com and click on the store tab for a great way to do that. There are all kinds of fun and functional products designed specifically for independent and free thinkers like you, featuring slogans like, I tested positive for critical thinking, and I need to find some new conspiracy theories all my old ones came true. Proceeds support independent journalism causes like the Ion Awards for off-narrative accurate reporting. Go to CherylAckeson.com and click the store tab today. The mistake we're going to talk about against Donald Trump that I think was very instructive, actually it's sort of twofold. The first one begins on Thanksgiving Day in 2019. There was an error committed by Newsweek's political reporter, Jessica Kwong, who wrote a story and published a tweet asking, how did Trump spend Thanksgiving tweeting, golfing and more? She went on to write that Trump was spending Thanksgiving Day at his Mar-a-Lago resort in Palm Beach, Florida. This is on Thanksgiving. And the story, I think, was meant to imply that Trump was once again goofing off, you know, tweeting and golfing, compared to his heroic predecessor, as the media sees it, President Obama, who used to only do selfless things. The problem is the Newsweek story was fabricated. Trump wasn't golfing in Mar-a-Lago on Thanksgiving. He'd actually left Florida the evening before Thanksgiving to fly to Afghanistan, where he spent the holiday not golfing, but serving dinner to U.S. troops. Pretty soon, this reporter's mistake became clear, of course, because news coverage about the Afghanistan visit started to happen, and Kwong claimed, well, she'd made an honest mistake. On Twitter, she wrote that she was deleting her earlier incorrect tweet about Trump having been golfing and tweeting on Thanksgiving, because, quote, it was written before knowing about the president's surprise visit to Afghanistan. Now, why do I think this mistake is so egregious? Well, I think there are five key problems with it from an ethical and journalistic standpoint. First of all, this reporter, Kwong, demonstrated a shocking lack of basic repertorial knowledge. I'm not a political reporter, and I don't even closely follow the White House, but I knew enough to wonder ahead of Thanksgiving whether Trump might visit the troops on Thanksgiving, because I know that all recent presidents have made holiday visits to thank our soldiers at some point, and so one would think that a national political reporter and her editors would know to watch for a possible surprise visit on Thanksgiving by the president. Other reporters, meanwhile, came to Kwong's defense and said, oh, that's a common practice, Before a holiday, we pre-write stories sort of like we pre-write someone's obituary before they die so that it's ready to go when they do pass. The excuse for a holiday is not many people work holidays. We like to pre-write our stories and have them ready to go so there's not as much work to do when the holiday actually comes. Well, this is all baloney. You don't pre-write a story about the president and fabricate a fact that he's playing golf and publish it when you haven't confirmed or verified that that's happened. In fact, that's not the case. But a second major issue is that Newsweek article demonstrated what I consider an inexcusable failure to attribute, which seems to be an epidemic in news today. Kwong's mistake would not have been as problematic if she had attributed the claim that Trump was golfing on Thanksgiving to an actual source if someone had told her that, a legitimate source instead of if she had reported it as if it were her own firsthand confirmed information, as if it were a fact. In other words, if someone from Trump's White House had put out the story or the news that Trump was planning to golf or was in fact golfing on Thanksgiving, reporters could report that according to Trump's spokesman, this is what he was doing or planned to do. And then if it turned out not to be the case, well, it's not the reporter that made the mistake. It's that the reporter was given false information by a spokesperson. That's a little bit different. In this case, the Newsweek reporter, Kwong, simply made up facts of what she thought Trump was likely to do on Thanksgiving and published it as if it were fact and no attribution at all. And she isn't the only one who seems to have abandoned the basic journalistic practice of attributing information to a source. Reporters today are routinely Declaring information to be fact as if they've personally confirmed it when they couldn't possibly have done so. Third problem, a baffling failure to fact check. I mean, in journalism school, we know to check our facts. This is one of the most basic tenets of journalism. No matter how obvious something may seem to you, no matter how many others are reporting the same thing, no matter what a video clip seems to show, it often proves to be wrong. And that's why it's so critical for reporters to check their assumptions. Kwong absolutely should have contacted the White House to see if her claim that Trump was golfing on Thanksgiving was true. Again, if people there had said yes and she attributed that answer to the White House, then even if Trump was in Afghanistan at the time, Kwong could not have been journalistically faulted for the mistaken information. She would have done her job correctly. Instead, she reported false information that she made up as if she had checked it. Fourth, a glaring failure to correct the mistake after the fact. Although Newsweek did fix its story, it didn't really correct it. Editors revised it to reflect that Trump wasn't golfing, he was in Afghanistan, but editors called the revision an update. I think that's disingenuous. The story hadn't changed or been updated. Newsweek simply learned its original report was false. That merits both a correction and an apology, which also didn't come. And then fifth, the false information persisted well after the update, Newsweek retained its false headline stating that Trump golfed on Thanksgiving. He didn't. Now, I go over the story because I think maybe the most remarkable thing of all is that it was a case of history repeating itself, an example of lessons not learned by the media because NBC had generated a similar scandal less than a year before. Also, tying itself into a pretzel to try to make it seem as if it had not bungled the story. And I think that makes this example maybe even more intriguing than the Newsweek example. The NBC saga and mistake began on December 25th, Christmas 2018, nearly eight hours before Christmas Day's official end. The network NBC publishes a headline blaring, Trump becomes first president since 2002, not to visit troops at Christmas time. The story claimed that Trump had broken from a recent tradition of actually visiting troops and wounded warriors. The article took multiple jabs at Trump, all to advance the anti-Trump narrative of a president who simply couldn't live up to the standards of his predecessors. But what NBC apparently didn't know was that contrary to its reporting, Trump had left the White House late on Christmas, December 25th, 2018, to visit U.S. troops in Iraq. What happened when that mistake was revealed is so telling. Like Newsweek, NBC was simply unwilling to admit its mistake. Instead of issuing a simple apology saying, well, it originally had no idea that the president had sneaked off to Iraq and that it had wrongly made an assumption without bothering to verify it, instead of saying that, NBC publishes a lengthy editor's note parsing the definition of what constitutes a Christmas time visit. And it claimed that the original article was technically correct. Sort of like depends on what the meaning of the word is, is. The NBC editor who made this explanation made the argument that, okay, maybe Trump visited the troops around Christmas after all. Yes, he did leave the White House on Christmas to head to Iraq but he did not arrive in Iraq until after the stroke of midnight, and the day after Christmas isn't really a Christmas time visit, is it? So, therefore, their assertion that Trump did not visit the troops at Christmas time was technically accurate. And instead of an apology, NBC defends the mistake and argues when Christmas time technically begins and ends. So, let me read you this ridiculous sounding. NBC editor's note. Remember, they had claimed he was the first president not to visit the troops at Christmas time since 2002. And instead of admitting that he really had, they start saying, well, since he arrived after midnight, it wasn't really Christmas time. And since that was their assertion, now they have to make an argument as to how to define Christmas time. So here's what the editor's note says. Again, one of the most ridiculous notes I've ever read as a correction or amendment to a story. At the end of Christmas Day 2018, Trump had not visited troops during the holiday season and had announced no plans to do so. They go on to say, the article was correct. But on December 26th, the situation changed. Trump and First Lady Melania Trump made an unannounced visit to troops in Iraq as a result, the thrust of this article is no longer correct, even if it was at the time. In the entrance of transparency, we are keeping the article on NBCnews.com so that the record will reflect the situation on the day the article was published and are directing readers to the article about Trump's Iraq visit here, so they write a separate article. We are also altering one line in the article as well as the headline, to be more specific and to note that Trump was the first president since 2002 who didn't visit military personnel on or before Christmas rather than Christmas time claiming the article was correct at the time but the situation changed without acknowledging the journalistic malpractice is remarkable the corrected article then goes on to double down on its mistake in a way that's still designed to make Trump look bad so You see that the purpose of this article wasn't really to reflect what Trump did over Christmas. It was to attack him or make him look bad. As you're about to hear, NBC chooses a new tack that fits its narrative, the one that they set out to prove and stick by regardless of the facts. Quote, by staying home on Tuesday, Trump became the first president since 2002 who didn't visit military personnel on or before Christmas. And then the article elaborates. Based on a check of NBC logs, President Barack Obama visited troops at Marine Corps Base Hawaii in Kaneoa Bay every Christmas he was in office from 2009 to 2016. Before him, according to a check of news releases, President George W. Bush visited wounded warriors at Walter Reed from 2003 to 2008. Then it goes on to say, this NBC article, Trump previously said he hasn't visited a combat zone because he's had an unbelievably busy schedule. So again, trying to take a dig at Trump for not having visited a combat zone. So once this correction or change is made, after it's discovered that Trump was visiting the troops at Christmas time, once the article's revised, the revised article comparing Trump unfavorably to Obama and Bush goes viral with no attention paid to NBC's mistake, like it never even happened. The focus becomes now the newly revised scandal that Trump is the first president not to visit the troops on or before Christmas Day rather than at Christmas time. Now, one exception to the media group think was to my surprise, Eric Wimple of the Washington Post, who's normally very anti-Trump and not always accurate with his reporting, but he took issue with NBC, rightly so, pointing out, quote, as the Press Pool Report notes, Trump didn't stay home Christmas Tuesday, as NBC claimed in the updated version of its article. At least not all of Tuesday. He left the White House late on December 25th. Wimple goes on to say The NBC story appears to rest on a lawyerly definition of Christmas time, Christmas Day, and the days and weeks before it. However, Wimple goes on to say, other common definitions of Christmas time expand that understanding to the Christmas season, or the period from about December 24th to January 1st or January 6th. But NBC seemed intent, says Wimple, on making the story be about whether they could technically defend that they hadn't jumped the gun and made a false assumption rather than what Trump actually did over the holiday. Give the guy credit he deserves for getting off his butt says Wimple, correct the piece NBC News or prepare to stand legitimately accused of propagating fake news. Now, the fact is NBC could have chosen numerous facts to highlight about President Trump if it were truly focused on disseminating information instead of generating a smear against him. Just for kicks, I looked up some actual stats and put together some information that shows how NBC and other media were bent on proving something negative. Because it turns out President Obama never visited U.S. troops in foreign countries or combat zones on Thanksgiving or at Christmas time, as Trump had done twice by early 2020. In fact, the closest President Obama got to spending Thanksgiving or Christmas in a combat zone with the troops was a visit to South Korea a week before Thanksgiving back in 2009. President Bill Clinton was close to a Christmas visit with the troops in a combat zone with a December 22nd visit to Bosnia in 2007 after the war. The annual Christmas troop visits that NBC rushed to credit Obama for, all of those had taken place not in a combat zone, but stateside conveniently near Obama's home in Hawaii. According to the Los Angeles Times, every Christmas Obama was in office, he, quote, made the short trip from his rental home in Kailua to the Marine Corps base, Hawaii. Now, this isn't to suggest that it's not meaningful that Obama spent part of his Christmases with our uniformed men and women, even if it was close to home. But I'm just saying if the tables were turned and Obama had been the one who traveled to a foreign combat zone over Christmas like Trump had, while Trump had been the one visiting only troops close to his Mar-a-Lago resort in Florida, I think you can guess what the headlines would have read. Now, another point made in the original slanted NBC article about Trump was that he had yet to visit an active combat zone as if he were some sort of an anomaly that he had gone almost two years without doing so. But in fact, I looked it up and according to military records, presidential visits to combat zones are relatively rare. Presidents have visited a combat zone only 27 times in U.S. history prior to Trump. By early 2020, Trump had added at least four visits to combat zones to that historic tally. He visited South Korea in November 2017. He visited Iraq in December 2018, South Korea again in June 2019, and Afghanistan in November 2019, not to mention that he was sometimes accompanied by First Lady Melania, who's made at least two visits to a combat zone. And I happened upon another interesting point while we're searching these presidential trips to combat zones. You might not immediately think of South Korea as a combat zone, but it is one. That's because our war with North Korea was never declared officially over. Both North Korea and the United States, which is allied with South Korea, patrol a demilitarized zone that divides the two Koreas. Well, remarkably, when counting Obama's combat zone visits the military and media included his trips to South Korea as notches on his belt. But they did not count visits to the same place for Trump. At the very time when the press was claiming Trump had never visited a combat zone, he had made two trips to South Korea, one in November 2017 and another in June 2019. Punctuating this point, Trump's ever-conflicted Wikipedia page claims that Trump's first combat zone trip was on December 26, 2018, to Iraq. Wikipedia, too, was on the narrative, ignored Trump's earlier visits to South Korea. But in contrast, the official tally for Obama counts all three of his trips to South Korea as visits to a combat zone. Apparently, among the slanted media, South Korea is a combat zone when Obama visits, but not when Trump visits. To prove my point about all of this, how... The media often looks for and finds what it wants, regardless of what the facts show. I came up with seven other true headlines that NBC could have written about Trump's Christmas time visit to Iraq, but didn't. So here are the headlines that could have been written that no media chose to write. First of all, Trump becomes the first U.S. president in 16 years to visit U.S. troops in a combat zone. That was true. But not reported. The last one to have visited US troops in a combat zone was Bush back in 2003 before Trump. Here's another headline that could have been written Trump is one of only three US presidents to spend Thanksgiving Day with US troops in a combat zone. The other two, by the way, were President George H.W. Bush and President George W. Bush. A third positive headline that could have been written that wasn't Melania Trump becomes the first First Lady to spend Christmas time visiting U.S. troops in a war zone. And by the way, she'd spent Thanksgiving doing it too. Another headline could have been, Trump is first president since George W. Bush to spend Thanksgiving with the troops in a foreign country. Another, President Trump is only the third U.S. president, all of them Republicans, to spend Thanksgiving with U.S. troops in a combat zone or U.S. troops anywhere. President George H.W. Bush spent Thanksgiving in Iraq in 1990 and his son, President George W. Bush, spent Thanksgiving in Iraq in 2003. Obama didn't do it. Clinton didn't do it. Okay, another headline that could have been written that was positive and true, but wasn't written. Trump is the only U.S. president to visit the troops in a combat zone so close to Christmas Day. And finally... The last headline that I came up with that's true and accurate that could have been written that wasn't, President Trump is the only U.S. president in history to visit U.S. troops both in a combat zone on Thanksgiving and so close to Christmas. If you'd like to see the list I've compiled of media mistakes in the Biden era, again, you can go to CherylAxon.com, click the special investigations tab, and you will see media mistakes, Biden era but I'm working on a very interesting story about all of this for an upcoming episode of Full Measure, my TV program. Speaking of Full Measure, this Sunday on January 21st, I have a fascinating cover story that highlights the case of Maddie DeGarry, who may well be the COVID vaccine's first child victim. She enrolled in Pfizer's study of the COVID vaccine when she was just 12 years old. After her second dose, just a couple of hours later, she got extremely sick. And when you hear what happened to her and how she was treated after that, I think you'll be sufficiently outraged but better informed. You can also listen to more information on that in my other podcast this week, Full Measure After Hours. Introducing Whipped Seafoam Body Butter by Cyrenaid Cosmetics. Hi, I'm Star, owner of The Lemonade Mermaid. Enriched with the nourishing powers of cocoa butter, mango butter, and shea butter, our body butter whisks you away to a world of deep hydration. Experience the essence of the sea with every application, as this whipped delight leaves your skin refreshed, replenished, and ready to conquer the day. Visit TheLemonadeMermaid.com and make your skin sing with the magic of the sea. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that if you did, you'll leave us a great review, subscribe, and share it with your friends. Check out my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours. And now you can support independent journalism causes by visiting CherylAckeson.com and clicking on the Store tab. There are some thought-provoking and fun products designed exclusively for independent and free thinkers like you, such as products with the slogan, I need to find some new conspiracy theories. All my old ones came true. Proceeds benefit independent reporting causes. Do your own research. Make up your own mind. Think for yourself.